Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, I'm Ben Mankiewicz, host of The Plot Thickens and Turner Classic Movies. We wanted to bring you some of our favorite moments from Peter Bogdanovich's archive. If you've been listening to The Plot Thickens, You know that Peter recorded interviews with some of classic Hollywood's greatest directors all while he was learning his craft. On top of that, he also interviewed some of the leading actors from the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Here we give you excerpts from Peter's interviews with Henry Fonda, John Wayne, and Jimmy Stewart, all of whom worked with director John Ford, the only director, to win four Oscars. They each have something to say about their experiences with Ford. Henry Fonda's up first, and apparently he kept a dish filled with candy for visitors. Yourself, yeah, they're chocolate in here. You want one? No, I'm a you like licorice? I love licorice. That's from these dig down in there. There are all sorts of goodies in the bottom, too. Um, then Lincoln, you were playing, you know, it was a real character, but did Ford direct you, or are you just creating an independent character? Well, first they told me about it, and I said, Are you kidding? I can't play Lincoln. And I just, the idea is like playing Jesus or something. I just didn't want to try it, didn't want to think of it, didn't want to read it. But I said, fellas, I just don't, I don't see myself playing Lincoln. And if I can't see it, then I don't see how I can do it. Well, eventually they persuaded me to test, make a test of it. So I did. It took them three hours to put the makeup on me. Yeah. And subsequently they call me and I come in and I see it. And this guy on the screen right away, shit, it was Lincoln. But a minute later, he opened his mouth, and my voice came out, and I was destroyed again because I didn't fit my voice. I can't stand the sound of my voice anyway. I rarely go to my movies because I can't stand the sound of my voice. So forget it. And then months later, Ford had been away evidently, and um, either he'd been away or they hadn't thought about it, but they finally assigned Ford to the picture. And I get a call to come in to see Ford. I had never met him. So I go into his office at 20th Century, and he's Mita Stern. I remember it's the first time I'd seen Mita Stern, and she greeted me and took me into Ford's office. 
And Ford's sitting there with a slouch hat. This is the first time I see the whole bit and the cigarette and the handkerchief in the mouth and the pipe and the handkerchief both back and forth. And I stood there like a sailor in his white hat in front of the admiral. That's the way I felt. The admiral, God here, was using dirty words to make me think that I was a stupid son of a bitch. What the fuck you think this is? You know, you think he's the goddamn emancipator? It's a jack leg lawyer in Springfield, for Christ's sake. But um, it's still one of, he says, one of his favorite pictures. Gentlemen and fellow citizens, I presume you all know who I am. I'm plain Abraham Lincoln. I've been solicited by many friends to become a candidate for the legislature. What direction did he give you about playing Lincoln once you got into it? I don't remember any kind of direction like that. Ford isn't that kind of a director. He never, certainly didn't give you readings or interpretations. He somehow gave you pieces of business or something that made the scene, there was only one way to play it. With that piece of business? Yeah. What, what are the stories you remember? Offhand. This was in Grapes of Wrath. And it's only typical of any scene that you did with Ford. And this was the goodbye scene with Ma Jode, when Tom was going, knew that he had to leave. And they were in one of the Oki camps, and there'd been the dance the night before on the dance platform when the gang had come in to try to break it up and so on. And at early dawn or before dawn the next morning, Tom gets up knows that they're going to find him soon and he's got to go. So he gets up and dresses and rolls a few things together and up into a roll, a hobo-type roll, and wakes up Ma. And he lit a match, and I remember Greg Tolan, the photographer, lit the scene by a little bulb in my hand that was supposed to be lighted with a light. And that was the light in the, in the scene. It was a very effective scene. Tommy... Ain't you gonna tell me goodbye? I didn't know, Ma. I didn't know Ford to. And I go outside, and she gets up and puts something on and follows me. And we got into a position, and it was a tight two shot by the time, so the scene could go on yeah. into the dialogue. We rehearsed it because mechanically, technically, it was difficult. difficult to light, camera movements, the whole bit. But every time we would get to the position and sit down, Ford would cut the rehearsal. And he never made a point of cutting it as though to say, look, I'm not going to let you get into the words. He just cut. Mm -hmm. He just stopped rehearsals. So Ma and I never said those words. And I get emotional now remembering it. We never said those words out loud until we were in the take. Now this was, I'm making a long story, because this was Ford's whole idea. He didn't want to dissipate the emotion, and that's typical of him in everything he's done that I've done. Don't dissipate the emotion. Get it in the first take. Get the emotion, the first emotion. Get the fresh emotion, all that. It was like getting a racehorse up to it and not letting him go until finally we were just like this. Let us show you. It's a hell of a scene. Give me your hand, Ma. Goodbye, Tommy. Later, this is blowed over. 
You'll come back. Sure, Ma. Tom, we... We ate the kissing kind, but... Goodbye, Ma. Goodbye, Tommy. Tommy. See how I get... Yeah. This is remembering Ford, and this a couple of times like that. It was a great experience, and how seldom you get an experience like that in, in cinema, mm. in the medium of film. It's not putting it down as a medium. It's unfortunately because it's a mechanical medium, because you do short pieces out of sequence, out of continuity, and all that. You don't ever rarely get that thing that you get in the theater all the time. Yeah, and did you, did you go in later to... Never touched it again. John Wayne interview. You have a great walk. <laughs> That's where Walsh first saw me. There was a picnic, Pennell picnic. There was a fox picnic. Christ, I was working actually with electricians at that time during the summer. The Ford wasn't making a picture at the time. And, and when you work for Ford and he wanted a new broom, you got a new broom. Well, if I go back to the prop, man say, prop department and say, I want a new broom, they'd say, ah, oh, this is good enough for him. You know, well, I'm not going back to Ford with it. I'd go to Lefty Huff and say, give me an order, and I'd go to Butcher and get a new broom. So the prop guy was irritated at me because I'd go over his head. But Christ, uh, I had to face that Ford, and I want to tell you something. <laughs> you better be ready. So we were out there having a few bottles of beer and everything at this picnic and getting over a horrible hangover. It was a hot day and I had on a Harris tweed suit. I remember that. And uh, finally the electrician said, well, geez, we haven't had anybody in any of these events, you know, the picnic events. So they said, Duke, you go in. I said, all right, what's the next event? They said, a walking contest. Well, Jesus Christ, you know, the... the how you gotta walk in those things and keep a heel down and a toe down. And I walked around and it was a little son of a bitch about, I was about 21 then. And this guy was about that high and he was right on my ass all the way around <laughs> this fucking thing. So I'm sure this is where Walls first saw me. So they started telling stories that, that I got the part because of the way I walked. But actually I oh. think it was, that's the first time he saw me, even though I got on, I've taken off the coat and I got on suspenders and hot tweed pants and I'm trying to beat this fucking little grip that's just right on my ass. <laughs> the character that everybody associates you with when they think of you uh, started with Red River, didn't it? Because you were, before that you were doing uh, characters that you were playing were straighter. I mean, they, were, they weren't quite so uh, ornery. Yeah, again. well, I found a, a kind of a niche you know, that, uh, that I fit pretty well, fit into rather well, and and, uh, and it was a character that the public liked. We're going to Missouri with 10,000 head. Most of you men have come back to Texas from the war. You came back to nothing. You found your homes gone, your cattle scattered, and your land stolen by carpetbaggers. Now, there's no money and no work because there's no market for beef in the South. But there is in Missouri, so we're going to Missouri.
They always say that I'm in action pictures, but it's in reaction pictures that they remember me. Action pictures by themselves, the quickie things that they imagine that uh, I am and I have done them, certainly, are those kind of pictures in which you tell the audience what you're going to do, and you go do it, and you tell them what you've done, you tell them what you're going to do next. So anytime you walk into a scene, the only person that has a chance is either the comic who might have, they might stop the picture long enough to give him a funny line, or the heavy whom you're telling the audience how you're going to catch, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I've seen some of those pictures. You know, one of the most memorable moments of any picture that I've ever seen you in is a silent moment in in The Searchers, which we just saw recently, matter of fact. Uh, after you see the, the, the white, what they've done to the white women, and there's a close-up of you, the camera moves in. Turn back. Oh, my God. It's, it's just a terrific crazy. shot. God, it's a hell of a shot. Mm. And everybody can put their own thoughts to it. Yes. You're not forced to think one way or the other. Oh, this is great. From the thrilling pages of life rides a man you must fear and respect. A man whose unconquerable will and boundless determination carved a lusty, rough, and boisterous slice of history called The Searchers. The uh, horse race in, in Hangman's House looks very much like the horse race in The Quiet Man. It's almost the same race. Um, oh, God. And I know That's that different. You, didn't you direct some of the seconds? I did the whole goddamn race for him. I did that, and I did most of the fight. Really? Yeah. Was he sick? Yeah, he, he had three days that he was uh, really down over there. Mm-hmm. And the first day we went out and shot a... Just in the afternoon, shot a couple of fight shots. And we told him about them that night. So then he let us go out the next day and shoot some more. And in the meantime, they set up for the for the horse race. And, and I got lucky that day. Jeez, I had a uh, second unit cameraman, Archie Stout, with me, who's a terrific outdoor man. And everything was working just right. And there were about 400 spectators. So I got Arch, and we ran down the, the cliff there. We put the jumped on a little cart we had and got down the cliff, and the people spread out. I held the horses back on the beach, and the people spread out coming up toward where we were because ours is exactly. And finally I said, hold still, everybody. And so I got about 400 people in there where we only had about 50 extras. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And we shot down through grass, you know, with these horses coming in. I had some really nice shots in it, and he appreciated it, too. Well, Hatari looked like, you know, Hawk said, let's go to Africa and make a picture. And and that's an awfully lot of fun, that picture. And that rhino almost kicked you at one point. The rhino was uh, a little rough because those two fucking kids let the rope burn out of their hands and didn't scream, look out or anything. I just look up and see this son of a bitch is loose and they're standing there like this. Stand still there. Grab the other one. Turn I'm going to try and move it. Great moment. <laughs> yeah, it's a pain in the ass when it's you, you know. <laughs> his head is where that is and I'm right at his ass here and I've been trying to throw a line clear around his legs, and I look up and he's loose. 
shit. The truck was right over here and shit. And I went, and I was in the truck. He says, what? And I said, he's loose. I got up. I turned around and looked at the side of this, of the cab, and just went, yunk. And stuck that thing right through the metal just like it was paper. And then he stood there a minute. He didn't realize he was caught. And he started to move his head, and it was tight. And God damn, he tore that cab all to hell. And then he started charging both cars. And finally, I... Red was sitting by the window when it starts, and the girl was over here. When it finished, the girl was over here, and Red was over here. That... <laughs> I don't know how that little son of a bitch got over, but he got over and got Martin Nally in the... <laughs> on this side, and then we just uh, eased our truck out and teased him away and then let him go and went and caught another one. Where was Howard during he was gonna, he was up on the camera. On a, camera car? Yeah. Well, I think we can quit. I got some very good stuff. Well, if you, you know, if, if you think of anything else, should I just seem to do this a couple of times before? Okay. Cut. We'll be right back after this break. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Peter Bogdanovich interviewing Jimmy Stewart, 10-18-1968, Rio 1. Were, were you rolling? No, but we're, we're rolling now. Well, I think about Liberty Valance that it's... Um, a lot of people have not liked that picture. A lot of people, I think, don't understand that picture. Ford himself, after all, has created almost single-handedly the myth of the Western as it was in movies, I mean. Mm -hmm. And he's saying in, in this movie that it's a lie. Well, I, he's, he's, he's making a comment on it, I thought, but I don't think it's particularly against any, any the creation of any sort of uh, Western myth. I mean, it's a sort of a, a statement on human frailty and mm -hmm. uh, this goes beyond the West. Oh, and, sure. And, uh, oh, it's a very, it's, it's a universal statement. Yeah. And uh, it's ter to me, it's a terribly tragic film. Yeah. 
what's the matter? Everybody in this country killed crazy? Here! There! There! Now! It's picked up! I thought your performance was just, uh, just great in it because it was, um, it was a terribly subtle performance, I thought. In Liberty Valance, the scene of the railroad station when I arrived back to the funeral, mm -hmm. the, just the lo loneliness of it, it has a tragic sadness about it, that it but that, uh, that always appeals to me in, in pictures. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the human frailty idea, to, to do it, but not to lay it on. Make it sentimental. But to, to, but to let it shine through as, as this sort of inevitable thing that's present all the time. Ford loves to dare people to do things. Nobody gets along with the stunt people better than, than Ford. Yeah. But he's always playing you against the stunt people. And you say, now do, now do you want to ride out on the stagecoach with the, or uh, do you want me get, to get way back so I can't see anybody and get somebody, do, what, what, do, you, do you want to ride out on that? Well, you know. <laughs> My stand-in that I've had for years, Ted Mapes, got down to uh, Brackettville for two road together. And this is the first time I, I'd worked with him and the first time Ted Mapes had ever worked. He got down a day before I did, and they were all uh, there, but they wanted to get a couple of long shots, one of uh, almost a title shot of me coming up over a hill and down crossing a river on my horse, Pie. The horse was there and everything, and, and Ted uh, was all dressed up like me, and Ford said, now put the, uh, put the rifle in the scabbard uh, with the stock facing forward. And Ted said, no, Mr. Ford, uh, Stuart never, never wears his, the rifle up with that. He always puts it back. Bird said, oh. He said, uh, put, the, put the gun the way I said it, and uh, I'll try and work this out with Stuart. And Ted said, well, it's, it, he, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't wear the, the, the rifle that way. And Ford said, also put a tarp on the back of the uh, horse. And Ted said that Stuart never, never wears a tarp on the, on the back of the oh. And Wingate Smith told me that everyone was so stunned that there was complete silence on the set. That that uh, and people just walked away. They just said, "We can, we can't uh, watch this. <laughs> I can't I can't watch this." And so Ford and Ted Mapes were left sort of alone. And uh, Ford said, "Now do you you got the tarp on it and everything?" And they said, "Now uh, go down down that trail there and go across the river." Mapes said, "All right, okay, you're the boss." And I, that's the first thing I heard when I got there. Everybody said, Jesus, this is, this is really something. And about the second thing Ford said, you know, he talk, brought the horse over and he said, I understand you don't like this. I understand you don't like this. And I, and I didn't know exactly what, was, what, what he was talking about. 
And he said, I just want to say that if you're as hard to get along with as that son of a bitch you have standing in for you, uh, this is going to be a very interesting assignment for, for both of us. But to, to sort of round out the story, Mapes and Ford became fast friends. Would you say that everything that happens in a John Ford film, even if he didn't initiate it, is filtered through him? In other words, it's got his stamp on it? I would think so, as much as anybody, any director I know of. Certainly as much as Hitchcock would. I think it'll, a, a lot the same. Mm -hmm. uh, they're two entirely different uh, yeah, diametrically opposed. But but they're they're very similar in uh, the emphasis on the visual, mm -hmm. and in the uh, actual sort of uh, dislike for words mm -hmm. and uh, long scenes and Hitch really I doesn't listen to scenes. Doesn't really. I've always felt that you could get up and read the phone directory. And if Hitch sort of liked the way it moved and liked the way you, you looked and you reacted and everything, he would say, he's, uh, and he's done this lots of times for, the Ford and Hitch are like, are, are similar in this respect, that they, become completely impatient with the spoken word mm -hmm. and try their best to do, get along with as, as little mm -hmm. as little uh, as possible of the language as possible mm. I know Hitch I, th I think I probably told you this that the big scene in Albert Hall and the man who knew too much which was the when the attempted assassination of the fellow and the, the London Symphony yeah. and the the, you the, never told the, the symbol yeah. crash was the was the signal. Mm -hmm. Well, now in the original thing, I was chasing Doris Day around back in the up in the boxes around, and we in the process, had about a six or seven page scene where we explained the picture. In other words, solved the mystery and got everything out. This is sort of the, the window shot. Mm -hmm. And we'd done this and we worked on this for a long time. And uh, Pitch rehearses a little more than Ford and but goes, and then we shot it and then Hitch came up and said, you know, you're all, you and Doris are talking so much that uh, you're, you're distracting from the London Symphony. <laughs> and uh, I really don't think we need any of this. And, and he cut the whole thing out. We didn't say anything. We sort of said the lines, but he didn't record them. And I chased Doris Day around and cut, cut her, but he never he lowered the level of So the that you didn't orchestra. hear what you were saying? He lowered the level of the orchestra? Never lowered never. it? No. Never. 
I remember that. It just got louder and louder and louder and, and came up to the... Yeah. Of course, you didn't need it. No, it didn't need anything. Yeah. You don't have to explain anything. Yeah. Well, it goes clear back to what the, the same old thing that Ford, and I think with him it's almost a s distrust of the spoken word. Yeah. Well, okay. Thank you, Mark. You can cut it. If you've been enjoying The Plot Thickens, please give us a rating, a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And tell a friend about us, too. We really appreciate it. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.